Well, my name is Chris, and we're so glad that you're here today. And when you walked in in your program, you should have received a card that looks like this. It is our Get Connected card. So if you could just pull that out real quick and fill that out, that would be great. Uh, We won't uh, knock on your door or anything, but just a way for us to connect with you. And uh, we're going to pick out one of those, and a person's going to win $100. So uh, not really, but if you could... uh, Some of you are like, I'm the first time we ever get it filled out. But if you could do that, uh, that would be great. Um, I'd like to begin by asking you this question. How many of you have ever received a speeding ticket before? Raise your hand. Okay. There's a lot of sinners up in this place today. No, I'm joking, including myself. Um, Well, if you've received a speeding ticket before, it's probably because you wanted to go very fast and you were in a hurry. And uh, the one place where I've seen hurry the most is on the interstate. Uh, You can't go on I-69 or 465 without finding a lot of people that are in a hurry. They're either multitasking or they're trying to do something. And so just kind of as a free-for-all this morning, As you've driven in your car on the interstate before, what are some of the things that you have seen other drivers doing? Okay? So just shout it out, uh, just real quick. Uh, Texting. Okay, what else? Putting on makeup. Okay, went into eating. Okay. Taking a nap. Oh, that's, well, that's the second time, you know. (laughs) Woo! Uh, there was one in the first one where they, they said reading the newspaper. Can you imagine you're like driving, you're reading the newspaper coming down? Well, uh, I think what you would understand is that our culture is in a very, very fast pace. We're always constantly moving to do the next thing. And we see it very much so in people driving on the interstate trying to um, kind of uh, multitask as they do those kind of things. And this is what's crazy. Think about this, that your life is moving faster than your parents' life. Your, life is, your lifestyle is much faster than your parents, and your kids' or your grandkids' lives are going to be much faster than your life. Think about just your own life. Think about all the things you have to do. Think about all the demands and commitments that you have, your schedule, your work, your family, on and on and on. I'm more and more convinced that many of us don't want to hurry in our life, but we can't hardly keep it from consuming us. In fact, I have a feeling that many of you, when the new year started, you're like, the thing I'm going to do is slow down. I'm not going to be in such a big hurry. God, I want to slow down my life. I want to reduce the pace of my life. Well, today, that's exactly what I want to talk about. and It's our big idea for this morning, and it's this. I want you to understand that I'm calling you, challenging you to eliminate hurry in your life. So that's your first fill-in. You can fill it in the program or on our app as well. To eliminate hurry from your life. Now the problem with me saying this is that for many of you right now, you're disagreeing with me. You're saying, well, hurry's not really that big a deal, is it? I mean... 
you know, hurry is either a good thing, at worst it's a neutral thing, but hurry is important. Because if you don't hurry, you don't get things done. And so, you know, what do you mean I need to eliminate hurry from my life? I mean, hurry is the way that I get more stuff done. Hurry is how I can go faster. Hurry is where I can get from point A to point B in the most efficient way. But what if, just for the sake of this morning, that your frantic pace, that never stopping, always multitasking, always trying to do more and more and more and faster and faster and faster is actually the main thing that is hurting your relationship with God. That more than anything else, the thing that is affecting your relationship with the creator of the universe is that you're in just too big of a hurt. Maybe it's hurry that actually is affecting your relationship with the people around you, your spouse, your family, your friends, your co-workers. And you go through life without a sense of joy or peace because you're always in a hurt. Over the holidays, I did some shopping and I went to Kohl's and I wasn't in a hurry. I was in no rush. Uh, I was all by myself, just taking my time. And I'm going around the parking lot. I can't find a space. Finally, I see someone come to their car and they put their brake lights on. They're getting ready to pull out. And we all know parking etiquette is, is if you pull up and you turn your turn signal on, you're basically saying, that's my space. Amen. So I, I don't know if that's something you need to say amen for, but you know, hey. So I pull up. And this car is getting ready to back out, and I put my turn signal on, and pretty soon a car from the opposite direction pulls up right on the other side, and they turn their turn signals on. So I let them know that that was my spot with all five fingers, okay? I mean, I didn't. You know, I, I gave all five. I thought, like, hey, this is, this is my spot. And the person, when they pulled out, though, they backed out in front of me and that other person pulled right into my spot now again folks i wasn't in a rush i wasn't in a hurry but i started getting angry and upset and frustrated and the blood is boiling and all of a sudden i thought i need to pray and i did this is what i prayed i said lord i pray that whatever item they have at kohl's is out of stock in jesus name You know, I've thought about that incident, and I've been convicted, why was I so angry? Why was I so frustrated? Why was I so impatient? I mean, there are so many times in my life, folks, that I'm not in a hurry, but hurry is inside of me. Let me say that again. There's so many times in my life in which I'm not in a hurry, but hurry is inside of me. This week I uh, read a study from the London School of Business in which a researcher was looking at time, and he found that more and more people all the time are falling into something that he calls hurry sickness. It's a compulsive need to be on the go and doing more and more and more, even though there's no objective reason why 
you should be in a rush. Have you ever been in a rush before and you actually thought to yourself, why am I even in a rush? I'm not in a rush, but I feel rushed. Well, he gives some particular reasons why hurry sickness happens, and you can find out whether or not you have hurry sickness. Here's the first thing. There's this nagging sense that there's not enough time, that there is a lack of time. There's this nagging sense there's not enough time to get everything done. You know, in the 1960s, uh, there was a group of futurists who actually went to Congress and said, by the year of 1985, check this out, by the year of 1985, because of all the technology and efficiency that we have, that what we are predicting is that people will work 22 hours for 27 weeks, and then the rest of the year, they'll have nothing but spare time. They'll have nothing to do. Did that come true? I don't think so. What's happened? We have more technology than we've ever had in our life. And what's happened? It's actually the opposite. The one thing that we feel that we never have enough of is what? Time. Even more so than money, folks. You know what money should be used for? Money should be used for gaining more time. Because every single person who is here, you are on the clock. Do you realize that? You're on the clock. You're not going to live forever. And yet what we're trying to do is get more time as much as we can. And what do we find ourselves doing? Always being in a hurry. Just ask yourself, how long can you go before you have to check your phone? Some of you haven't lasted while I've been talking. How many of you can't stand not hearing when you hear that little beep of your phone, whether it's Facebook or text or whatever, you have to go and look to see what that is. How often do you call your kids, hurry up, and there's really nothing for them to hurry up about? How many of you go to your microwave and you look at it and you push something, if it's more than 30 seconds, you're like, I don't have time to wait for my food to get hot, i got to be going doing something. Folks, here's the thing about hurry. Hurry actually never saves you time. Hurry just reinforces that you don't have enough time. Because you have this feeling that I'm always at a point of a lack of time. Here's the second thing. You have a lack of meaning. When you have hurry sickness, you have a lack of time, you sense that. And the second kind of symptom or sign is that you have a lack of meaning or joy in your life. I mean, you try to do more and more and more and more and more. And what happens is there is less and less and less of significance in your life, less meaning in your life. I'm amazed. I'll ask people sometimes, I was like, hey, uh, what did you do last week? And they're like, I don't know. I mean, no, no, no. Like, what? I don't know. Because it was just a blur of activity. Folks, that's a sickness. 
when you can't remember because everything is so active and the pace of your life is so fast that you can't remember it because there's all this stuff that's going on and pretty soon it has this lack of meaning of your life. Like, what's my life about? It's just like from one thing to the next thing, hurry, hurry, hurry. An economist named Jeremy Rifkin writes this in his book, Time Wars. He says this, it'll come up on the side screen. Despite our alleged efficiency... We seem to have less time for ourselves and far less time for each other. We have quickened the pace of life only to become less patient. We have become more organized, but less spontaneous, less joyful. We are better prepared to act on the future, but less able to enjoy the present and reflect on the past. Is that true? Yeah. Today we have surrounded ourselves with time-saving technology only to be overwhelmed by plans that cannot be carried out, appointments that cannot be honored, schedules that cannot be fulfilled, and deadlines that cannot be met. Folks, this is why hurried people never look very happy. I'll prove my point. Have you ever had someone tailgating you before with a smile? Could you, could you hurry up? No, what are they usually doing? They start using, I'm not going to use it, we're in church, okay, but they start using, direct, you know what I mean? And they're like telling you, and they're honking horns, and they're going off, and ah! You can't really hurry, folks, and smile. You can't really hurry and experience peace and joy. You can't really hurry and have significance and meaning in life. You always sense a lack of meaning. You have hurry sickness. Here's the third thing. That is a lack of compassion. A lack of compassion. People who are in a hurry don't have time to help anyone else. There was a study done at Princeton Theological Seminary. There are all these people that are getting ready to be pastors, church leaders. And they staged a person that was hurting and moaning and groaning. They're struggling with some things. And they went to a group of students and they said, this is your task. You have to leave from this building to go to this building to teach a message on the Good Samaritan. Now, you might remember that story. There's a guy that's walking down a road. He gets beat up. There are two religious leaders that come up, try to help. No. What the two religious leaders do? They kept on walking. Finally, a despised Samaritan that no one cared for, he stops and he helps. So they take these two groups of students, they take one group and say, you have to leave from this building to go over there, and they have a staged person. You know where this is going, right? And then you have uh, another group that they come up and they say, you're in a hurry. You don't have time. You only have five minutes to get your sermon ready, and you have to get to the other side. And this is what was shocking. The group that said they were in a hurry, that they had to go immediately, only an average of 10% of those students, one out of 10, actually stopped to help the person in need. Now, we can look at that and we're like, man, that's messed up. What about you, Bunch? You're a pastor. Do you stop and help when you're seeing people in need? Let me ask you. Do you stop and help people who are in need? You know, when I was thinking about that this week, I started really questioning myself 
I'm not sure I always do that. There's many times that I walk on by people. I drive on by. I don't help the stranger or a friend or a co-worker because the pace of my life is too fast and I think my life is too important. And sometimes that happens with my family. Sometimes that happens with my wife. Sometimes that happens with my kids. Sometimes my kids will come into my study and they're like, Hey, Dad, can we do this? I'm like, Can't you say I'm doing something important? I'm doing a a message for God. (laughs) They haven't said it yet, but I can see it in their little eyes. You know what they're thinking? Jerk. Folks, when we're in a hurry, we don't have time to help. Well, the good news is Jesus gave us some direction on this. He actually does it by being around two sisters, one named Martha, one named Mary. It's in Luke chapter 10, starting verse 38. It'll come on the side screens. This is what it says. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was, what's the next word? Distracted. Was distracted by all the preparation that had to be made. Now it's interesting, both of these women have the exact same opportunity. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is present and in their midst. Mary decides to embrace the moment. Now she might have had dishes to do, uh, laundry to take care of, grocery shopping, tidying up, whatever, but she chose in that moment, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to slow down, not hurry, embrace the moment with Jesus. But Martha, on the other hand, was like many of us. She was what? What did the scripture say? She was, she was distracted. Whoa, I've got to get stuff ready. I'm stressed out. Jesus is here. Verse 40. Martha came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do this work by myself? Have you ever said that before? Tell her to help me. And then in verse 41, Jesus says, Martha, Martha. Let me just say this. If Jesus has to say your name twice, be careful. Then Jesus said, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and I will, and it will not be taken away from her. And in this story, it's almost like you can hear Martha's hurry in her voice. You can hear the rush, the anxiety, the stress. Am I going to get it all done? And she's wondering, what if I don't get it right? What if it isn't perfect? What if Jesus doesn't feel honored in this time? Have you ever had a moment in your life where you felt all the stress and pressure and feeling of being overwhelmed because you were thinking you had to do something? Hurry consumes Martha and she starts to assume that Jesus doesn't care about her. In fact, that's what she says, right? In this text, she says, oh, Lord, don't you care? Lord, don't you care? Don't you care what I have to do? Don't you see what's going on? Can you do something about it? 
And folks, isn't that how we are when we feel rushed? When we feel rushed, all of a sudden we're like, can't anyone tell what's going on? And you start thinking, I'm the only one that is experiencing this right now. No one else cares about me. And Martha makes an assumption that Jesus doesn't care. She also makes the assumption that she's alone. My sister has left me to do this all by myself. Have you ever thought that before? Where is my spouse? Where is he? Can't they tell I'm down here working right now? Where are those kids? If I get those kids, I'm going to... Can't they tell? Am I the only one at work that ever is working? Like, look at all these losers, you know, like... Why are they not doing something? Folks, when we're in a hurry, we feel like we're all alone, and so we try to hurry even more. When you feel alone, you try to do it even more. But let me ask you, was Martha alone in this story? We're in church, you can say it. No. Who was with her in the room? Jesus. Somebody in the first celebration really loud said, Her sister! <laughs> now I'm just asking you, your sister or Jesus? Who are you going to pick? You know what I mean? Jesus was right there in the room with her in her presence, the God of the universe. And you see, folks, this is what happens. That when we start to stay in a hurry, we miss the most important thing, and that is that God is actually with us in that moment. He's with us in that moment, in the next moment, in every moment we have. But instead, when we're in a hurry, what we start to see is everything that's wrong and everything that has to be done and how important it is to get all things perfect, and we start feeling guilty about what isn't done. Folks, at the beginning of the year, I'm telling you, one of the things that would be most important to you is to eliminate hurry from your life. Some of you said you were going to do that, but now we're on day 21 of the new year, and you're right back into your old habits again. So how do you do it? Yeah, preacher boy, how do you do it? Well, first of all, this is the thing. It can't be done alone. You can't just try harder to be slower and more patient. I'm going to try really hard to be slower and more patient. Just try real hard to do that. Some of you today, you know what I think you need? You need a come to Jesus meeting. This is where you come to Jesus And you just listen to him say, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened. Come to me, Jesus said. If you're a single mom, if you're struggling with something, if you're overwhelmed, if you're stressed, whatever it is, come to me. And the scripture says, come to me, all of you, Jesus said, and I will give you what? I will give you hurry. Hurry more. 
No, no, what's it say? It says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to learn with Jesus. You see, back in that day when there were oxen in a field, they would have this thing called a wooden yoke. A yoke would be placed upon both of the oxen so that they're going through and plowing the field at the exact same pace and rhythm and time. And this is what's important for your relationship with God. You have to be yoked with him so that you're in the same rhythm. And if you're not, you start plowing fields and messing up stuff in your relational world that you'll never understand because you didn't slow down enough to be yoked with the one who knows you best and loves you most. I don't want to be yoked with someone else. I want to be yoked with the God of the universe so that I go at his rhythm and his pace. So take my yoke upon me. Folks, Jesus was never hurried. He had a lot of demands on his life. He was busy. There was pressure. There were times that he was stressed out. He had plenty to do as the God of the universe, but he never hurried. He never had to hurry. In fact, he had a rhythm of life that he got rid of the temptation of hurry. So Jesus says this to you today, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find, what's it say? Rest for what? For your soul. Let those last four words just sink in a moment. Rest for your souls. Peace. Tranquility. Assurance. Rest for your souls. Folks, God did not create you to be in a hurry. So I want to close by simply giving you one practical step for you to try this week. And it's this. Set a time each day to practice slowing down. Set a time each day, five minutes, ten minutes, to slow down. Several months ago, I noticed that my life was just way too hurrisome. It was like I had the pedal to the metal all the time. I was always in the hurry. I was always doing something, going, 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 going. And so I took a couple of days at a retreat center. And maybe for some of you, you could do that. You could go off somewhere. Or you practice starting really living the Sabbath of one day where you're going to do no work. But for me, I actually just decided that I was going to pull back and not do anything, and I wanted to listen for one word that God would guide me in 2018. And this was the word that I got. The word was no. Now, not N-O, but K-N-O-W. It wasn't audible. It was just in my spirit. But it was the sense that I want, Chris, I want you to know me. I want you to know me personally. I want you to know me intimately. I want you to know me when things are going great and everything is fine. And I want you to know me when things are difficult and there's a struggle. I just want you to know me. And I was like, God, I I want that. And he said, if you're going to know me, then you have to spend time with me. And there was a scripture verse that came to me that was so powerful. Philippians 3.10, it says this, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. That if I'm going to know him more, 
He will give me power to overcome my hurry. And so since the first of the year, this is what I've committed. I did it this morning, 7.20 this morning. I took 10 minutes to just sit in silence to listen to know him. Now, in order to do this, this is what I have to do. I have to stop working. No emails, no tweeting, no Facebooking, no phones that are on. I just have to sit in silence. And I slow my breathing down. And I just rest in Him. You know, some of you folks need some unhurried time scheduled into your life. Because you can't know Christ If you're in a hurry, you have to slow down. Folks, some of your bodies need to have some unhurried time. Now, that was my word, no. And so this is my challenge for you this week. That you take some time each day to choose to slow down five, ten minutes. And you ask God for a word for you. Now, he may not audibly speak it, but there, over time, you may get a sense. Maybe one of the words you would hear is love. Maybe some of you are sitting there today, and honestly, you don't think God loves you. And God's like, I love you. I want a relationship with you. Or maybe your word is care, that God cares for you. He wants to meet your needs. Maybe for some of you, it's the word community. You saw the kind of video of Kent and you're like, I've been trying to do life all by myself and I need some people around me who can encourage me, who can care for me. Maybe for some of you, your word is forgive. You've never really believed that God has forgiven you and you've never forgiven yourself. You've never said, God, I I forgive myself. Maybe for some of you, it's an action word, like the word serve. I'm going to serve. We have an opportunity that's coming up February 9th, which is our fifth quarter. It's an opportunity for us to be able to reach out and serve our youth. And and you could say, hey, you know what? I'm going to give some time to that. You could check the blue box up in the upper right-hand corner and just say, I could give some time. It's going to be from 8 to midnight. You don't have to stay for the whole time. But we need some people that are there because about 11 o'clock, what happens is they start swapping spit with one another. And we need security people and people around. So if you can help serve in this way, we would really like you to do that. Now, maybe for others of you, you have a different word. You have a word that's like recovery or contentment. Or boldness or confidence. I don't know what your word is, but I'm telling you, you'll never get a word from God unless you slow down and try to listen to Him. So we're going to practice this just right now. Just for one minute, I'd like you to slow down, to actually. Slow yourself down, and we're going to turn the lights off here, for you to just have a moment to be with God. And what I'd like you to do is to make a commitment 
that just for one minute you're going to slow down. And if you want, you can just say this silently in your head. But you would say, God, I quit hurrying. And I'm asking for one word to guide my life in this new year. So let's take a moment now not to hurry, but to slow down and to listen for maybe one word that God would give you. And if he gives you a word, great. If not, you can take some more time this week. But one word that would guide your life and a verse that would go with that. Let's take a moment just to quiet the hurry from our life. God, I thank you so much for a moment that we can slow down. For some of us, we've already started thinking, what's the next thing? And God, we thank you for a moment to, to slow down. I pray, Lord, that you would give a word this week to each person. Maybe you did within that time. They could write that word down, find a scripture verse. And help each of us this week, God, to practice slowing down. And maybe what people would say a year from now is like, wow, there's something different about you, something changed. And you would be able to say, yeah, I eliminated hurry from my life. And God gave me one word to guide it. And I'm living that now. And maybe today your one word that you need to have is Jesus. I need Jesus to be at the center of my life. And you could just kind of quietly in your head just say, Jesus, thank you for life. I give you my life. Forgive me of my sins. Draw me closer to you. I quit hurrying, and I want to do life with you. And if you uh, said that prayer, Jesus is right here in your presence, letting you know that he is with you and for you. God, thank you for this time. In Christ's name. If you said that prayer and accepted Christ today, we just ask that you um, check the box on the back of your Connect card that says um, discover how to have a relationship with Christ. And also go back to the Accepted Christ table. We have a gift for you, a Bible, and someone's there to pray with you. Um, And we just want to come alongside you in your walk. So um, Chris mentioned this Connect card. Go ahead and pull that out. The offering is going to come by here in just a second. And we ask that you fill that out. We're not going to stalk you or track you down. We just want to stay connected with you. Um, So make sure and just fill that out front and back. And then also don't forget to stick your um, small group card in the offering bag as that comes by as well. So at this time, I'm going to invite the greeters to come forward. We are going to receive an offering. Um, If this is your first time here, you're new, don't feel pressured to give. We don't want to pressure anybody. That's not what we're about. We just want to get to know you. If you call the jar your church home, we just ask that you would give as God has given so freely to us. So if you would just bow your heads with me, please. Lord God, thank you for today, and thank you for the reminder that we should just slow down and stop hurrying and fix our eyes on you, Lord. I just pray for this offering um, that you would give discernment as how to use it to spread love in our community, and ultimately it would just draw people closer to you, um, and that you would provide financially for those who are giving. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.
Okay, just a few announcements. Um, here at the JAR, we really care about kids, and we want to love on kids and those in our community. So we have a really cool event, um, the JAR Kids Skate. It's a free event. It'll be on January 27th at Gibson's Arena. Um, it's from 445 to 645. So you have an insert in your program. Make sure that you give that out to a friend um, so that they can come and bring their kids. It's free admission, free skate rental, and it'll just be a fun time where you can hang out with the family and watch people skate, and maybe you'll see, like, Chris fall down or something. I don't know. Um, so make sure and invite people for that. Another way that we want to love on people and kids in our community is the fifth quarter event. Chris had mentioned that earlier. Um, that is something that has happened in the past and it's been really successful, so we want to continue to do that. It's a safe place for middle school and high school kids to come after the Muncie Central basketball game on February 9th. We have a special guest, Damon Golden. He's a Christian rapper. He's amazing. Um, and then we're doing karaoke, um, board games, and a video gaming station, as well as a basketball tournament, plus free food because, you know, te teens love food. So um, if you're interested in helping with that, please let me know. I'm actually in charge of that, so you can contact me. Um, and then also we um, just want you to invite other kids. So if you know of anybody in middle or high school or your friend has kids in middle or high school, please let them know, and we would be happy to um, hang out with them that night. So um, that's all with the announcements. So I just want to invite the prayer team to come up. If you um, didn't get a chance to pray earlier or you need prayer for anything at all, please just feel free to come forward after the service is over. Okay, so the prayer team will be up here. Um, why don't we uh, go ahead and stand? And um, remember, this week, folks, eliminate hurry. Try to take five or ten minutes where you can just slow down. And uh, First Steps with Chris is right after this. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, I'd love to meet you. We'll meet in the JAR Cafe. Know that you're loved in this place. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks.